Thanks, friends, for listening to Nonprofit Lowdown. If you like Nonprofit Lowdown, you will love my free weekly newsletter with resources, fundraising inspiration, and cute dog photos. Did I mention the cute dog photos? Sign up at RiaWong.com. That's R-H-E-A-W-O-N-G.com. Listeners, Ria Wong with you once again. Today, I am speaking with Suhaila Wahid, who is the founder of Giving Geeks. And we are talking about the five tips to digital online fundraising. And for those of you out there, we're heading into the last quarter of the year where we're all going full out. I call it the Super Bowl of fundraising. And so we want to talk about what makes a good online digital fundraising campaign. So welcome, Suhaila. Thank you, Ria. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So before we jump into the nuts and bolts, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in nonprofit. Yeah, so I actually, like many people, and I say this a lot, fell into fundraising. What I didn't realize is that I was fundraising from the age of 14 for my local masjid as well as my school. And I went to college and I was kind of like standing around looking at everybody like, what is everybody else doing? So I eventually kind of realized that I wanted to work in the social impact sector, but I wasn't sure in what way. And so I did a lot of research for like almost a year. I spent trying to figure out what my role is. And as I dug deeper into my research, I realized that fundraising was something that I knew how to do. And so from there, started kind of organizing with some local organizations out here in Austin, Texas, and really just kind of took off from there. Have had the opportunity to work with these organizations for causes that support young women through their professional, personal development, all the way to working with a giving circle, to working with organizations that foster the health of women and children. And so I've had plenty of experience and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities that I've had. And that eventually led me to discovering that I really was good at digital fundraising. Anytime I got asked to volunteer for something, it was generally like to help take this campaign off the ground and things like that. And so from there, I decided, okay, I know I want to work with a lot of different amazing missions. And so let's just go into work for ourselves and let's take this to the next level. Like let's hold ourselves accountable and do this work for real. And so that's how Giving Geeks got started back in 2019. And from there, we've just been able to do some awesome projects with some really inspiring organizations and work with some pretty dope people. So I love what I did for sure. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to get into it. So for folks who are thinking about digital fundraising, and especially for older people such as myself, I think we have this idea that like, oh, we're like just, all we need to do is do the next ice bucket challenge. All we need to find is like that next viral thing. Talk to me about that. Yeah, my answer is no, right? (laughs) Anytime that kind of comes up, that viral effect, we all would love for our work to go viral and for everyone to support us. But something I even heard yesterday was talking about business in general was that you don't eat from the seed you planted in the same day. And so the same thing kind of works online is that you have to build a culture of community and bring in a visual aspect to what you do and kind of make it clear online for your organization to grow. So whenever I kind of hear someone say, hey, we just want to start a campaign just to go viral and then see lots like a million dollars just flowing. It's just not how it works. We all have our own online communities and 
every now and again, like I was on TikTok the other day and I follow this dog trainer. I have no intention of getting a dog, nor do I have any interest in learning how to train a pup. But at the same time, sometimes it just happens like that. You just happen to come in contact with someone that inspires you in the work that they do. But for the most part, that takes a lot of work on our end from the perspective of the communications and the fundraising team and the board and everyone involved. We continuously have to pull together opportunities to share our stories online. And the more we do that, the more we have an opportunity of getting in front of someone that may not have intended to see the work that we do and may be interested somehow. And so it definitely takes time. Yeah, I'm so glad you said I call it the build it and they will come theory, which never works for anybody. I think everyone thinks we can start this viral campaign. The truth is, Businesses spend millions of dollars hoping to get a viral campaign and they still can't do it. So what are the chances your small nonprofit can? Let's talk about, let's pivot a little bit because Giving Tuesday is upon us. And I know that's a time when a lot of nonprofits are thinking about sending out email solicitations and you know physical solicitations to their donors. What are your top five tips when we think about digital fundraising? So one thing I absolutely want to start with before we even get into the tip, digital fundraising is still very rooted in offline fundraising. There's still so many aspects of offline fundraising that you do have to consider when you're doing digital fundraising. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But the other thing before we get into the five tips as well is just remember how important your donor profile is. Understanding who you're speaking to is Number one, before we go make any asks, before we start posting stuff online, before we just jump out on a whim, clarify who it is, the age, the interest of the people that you're talking to before you go creating any type of online campaign. So that's just my forewarning. My friend, you are hitting one of my pet peeves when I talk to fundraisers. I'm like, so who's your donor? And they're like, everyone's our donor. Well, if everyone's your donor, then nobody is your donor. So thank you for pulling that out. Right. So I, I want to say that first. <laughs> and then there are so many amazing things that I could have like pulled together, but to just make it as concise as possible, to get you as prepped as quickly as possible. The first thing I have to say is digital fundraising is amazing, but I don't want anyone to set themselves up for an unreachable goal. So before you go into planning, take a deep breath, breathe out and think about the impact of your campaign. Think about the monetary amount that you need that's actually feasible based on the audience that you currently have. And so there's a lot of work that can be done prior to a campaign to work on kind of acquisition. But during the campaign, you're not trying to get in front of a million people. You're trying to secure the donation from the people that you're in front of right now. Quick question about that, Sahila. What about folks who've never done an online campaign? Because I know a lot of times we base our projections on what has been done the year before. But if you've ever done one, how would you recommend that folks think about that? I would say that that's where there's a lot of prep work that has to be done prior to your campaign. And so let's say you have an email list, but you don't necessarily have a lot of followers on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. What might be helpful is if you start reaching out to your email list to try to push them to begin following you on social media and kind of create those prompts and even potentially have some sort of engaging opportunity for them to follow you on social media, like ask them to share a story with you or to share something on their accounts so that they can become more acclimated with the type of messaging that you're putting out online. And then the other thing as well is if you have someone that is a little techie on your team, you can kind of go in and look at who has been visiting your website, 
who has been visiting your social media, those type of things, and start doing small campaigns. And this is where we kind of get into ad campaigns, but you can go back and traffic to the same people that have visited your site, but maybe they didn't follow you. You can go back and try to find those people and get in front of them again, even starting with a small ad account. Got it. And for those of you listening, we did do an episode with Rishi Maholtra about Google grants. They give you free money to do paid advertising. So make use of that Google grant. Okay, so that was number one, which is think about your audience. What's number two? Yeah, so we talked about making sure you're setting yourself up for a reachable goal. And then the second thing is that you want to build a story map. And this can happen monthly or quarterly. And so what I would consider as you're looking at the end of your campaign, as you build out something for October, November, December, plan the sequence of your content breakdown across the platforms that work best for you. You don't at this time have to jump into TikTok. You don't have to jump on YouTube, but consider the platforms that work best for your organization and break down your content. And by content, I mean, let's say that you have a story that you'd like to tell. Maybe it started off as a blog on your website and you can kind of break that down into a story or a reel or something like that on your social media and put that across those platforms in a way that makes sense for your organization to lead up to an ask. So that's the second thing is to build your story map. So then the third thing I would say is kind of draws from the second thing, which is to identify your priority platform. Whether it's social media, your website, your email, your text messaging, there are a lot of different ways that you can create a digital connection to someone, but you don't want to try to do everything and be the master of all and master of none at the same time. And so what you want to consider is before you go into your campaign, take a look at where you're receiving the most traction. And I encourage you, of course, to lean into platforms like Facebook or Instagram. Instagram, but don't leave out your email communications because even still today, that is one of the places where we receive most of our donations. So consider the platform that's most profitable for your organization's campaign. The next thing is that you want to look at how you're going to have that digital reach that you're planning for. This happens through collaboration with partners of your organization. When I say partners, I mean your volunteers. I mean, sometimes your donors, your board members, all of those people that you think of when it comes to -to peer-to-peer fundraising or getting a message out that you know that they're specifically interested in. You want to make sure that you have some direct collaboration and outreach with them because something that we do as organizations a lot is that we hear, create a toolkit for those individuals that may be able to help you fundraise, send it to them before the fundraiser, and they'll help you bring in a million dollars. And we never took those individuals on the entire process to make sure that they felt well equipped to actually fundraise for us. And so these are like our baby fundraisers that sometimes we just throw a backpack to and we leave them out in the desert, you know, and say, hey, go bring us back some funding. We don't want to do that. What we want to do is we want to send them leads sometimes to say, hey, this is an email that someone else sent out that worked really well. Maybe you can try it as well. How's it going today? I know we're in the middle of the fundraiser, but I just wanted to check in with you and make sure you're okay and tell you how far we're coming. So make sure that you have some opportunities for them to engage with you if you're asking them to fundraise. Yeah, that's such an important point because I think the frustration I hear from a lot of EDs and development directors is that their board in particular isn't engaged in fundraising. And my question is always like, well, did you tell them what you wanted them to do? Did you help them get the tools that they need? Because go out and fundraise is often (laughs) not the most helpful directive. 
It's not. And I think that these individuals want to help us. They may not know how to. And so we've kind of, as an industry, understood that toolkits are very helpful. I think we're all on the same pages with each other on that. But that's not where it ends. You need to check in with your fundraisers. You need to check in with anyone who is voluntarily putting out your message to make sure that you have that continuous traction throughout the day. And then the last thing is automation. If you hear anything from me today, it is going to be that you automate your messaging. This is something you don't want to forget because whether you have a full-fledged donor management system or not, you can still automate your emails, your text messages, your social media posts. You can do this directly from the Facebook business manager. Now, during your campaign, you may have to send a, a box of donuts to whomever is managing your communications because you may have to make some changes during the day as you get closer to your goal. Or maybe you're still further away from your goal and you need to kind of add some incentive or something like that. Stay in communication with that man with whomever is managing that campaign to make the changes that you need. But everything else, you should make their lives easier. I promise you, they'll hug you for it. Like automate as much as you can. Because that is going to allow you to take the time from editing and, and trying to send things out on time into being able to have conversations with the individuals you want to receive a donation from. Okay, there's so much there that I want to unpack, but let me ask some just like nitty gritty questions. Do you have any best practices around how long a campaign should go? Because I often feel like, especially with capital campaigns, like that can be like a multi-year process, but we're really thinking about the annual end of your campaign. So what would you recommend? Yeah. So I would say that, number one, you have to consider the capacity of your team. Like how many people are on your team to actually handle a long-term or short-term campaign. For the end-of-year fundraising campaign, that generally, it's okay for that campaign to run across three months. But the thing is that there are different sequences of the campaign. You may not spend the entire time thoroughly fundraising online. Some of that time may be spent offline as you're trying to garner some, build support for your online campaign to hit and for you to uh, exceed your goal. And so what I would say is that sequence of content that you have for your campaign, how long you think you can kind of stretch out the story that you want to tell in order to reach that fundraising goal that you have. And that can kind of determine the time that you need to be fundraising as well as your donor pool. But essentially I would say an online campaign, I don't encourage, depending on the type of campaign you have, I wouldn't encourage any online campaign going longer than two weeks. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you lose traction of people after a couple of weeks. And it really varies. This is not a one-size-fit-all. It really varies depending on the type of fundraiser that you have. Some people may be doing like a giving day type of situation and everybody is amped up for one day, maybe two at most. And so you kind of have to push your collaboration and your giving opportunities to that one period. Sometimes you have longer campaigns that you can stretch out, but just know that all of your fundraising will not happen online. You will have to start collaborating with some brands potentially to get the word out. You might have to start having some offline donor meetings. And by offline, we all know that we're still kind of in this Zoom space for sure right now. So it just may mean that you're having a little bit more often conversations directly with donors than you are in the digital I'm trying to hit my temperature goal space, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. So when we think about running a campaign, I think often sometimes we think that you're either fully in person or fully online. But what yes. I'm hearing you say is there's a melded approach or like a hybrid approach here. 
there always is a hybrid approach because, again, even to when you think about just the planning of this campaign, all that happens offline. When you're creating your goal for your campaign, this goal is created based on your donor pool. And so some of your donors that may be in that pool are not necessarily as engaged online, but they may still be able to support. They may still be able to help you reach your goal. And so externally, this is a digital campaign more than likely. But internally, how you work and how you communicate is not always online. The online portion comes in when you are considering how you're doing your storytelling. You may be doing that through email or through social media or through ads even sometimes. And then the other part is obviously you're seeking to have a significant amount come in from donations through your donor management platform, whatever platform that may be. So when we think about an online fundraising campaign, should we be thinking about it as a tool for acquiring new donors or to engage existing donors? That is a really, really awesome question. And I would honestly have to say both. Every campaign has its individual goal, but I always say during your digital online campaign, this is about engaging the people that are right in front of you, the donors that are right in front of you. The work that's done prior to the campaign may be about acquisition. You want to start getting people to see more of how you engage with your community, see the impact that you have online prior to when they may become interested in giving a gift. Sometimes it just so happens that we might have an awesome donor who shares their message with their friends and their friends give on behalf of that donor. And that's an opportunity where we've acquired a donor where we may not have expected it. But at the same time, you really want to try to convert those individuals that generally see your messages, that see your social posts, that are reading your emails into donors at that time instead of trying to pull in new people. A lot of that work, I would say, has to be done prior to. And that's more of where you can get kind of creative when you want to think about what's going to make us go viral. What is the thing that's going to make us so popular and so engaging and people are going to love this campaign? That is what I would steward to more as like a digital marketing donor acquisition campaign versus just about meeting a very specific donor fundraising goal. So let's talk about messages because you mentioned here automating your messages, whether it's emails, texts, whatever. What do you mean when you say messages? More specifically, is there like a ratio between like storytelling versus ask? Yeah. When I say messages, I mean messaging. And that just has to do with how you are communicating or what you are communicating with your audience about. And so almost with every ask, there is a very specific story that you might be making an ask about. One thing that you don't want to do, and I do want to make clear, is that you want to make your case for support prior to your campaign. During the campaign, this is where you have your call to action. And this is where you've collected very specific stories about individuals within the work that you do, uh, whether they're recipients or people who volunteer or even donor stories sometimes that encourage others to give. And you can have a very specific call to action. During your campaign, you are not trying to make a case for support. You should have done that prior to the campaign. And so this is when I say when you're thinking about the three months maybe that you're looking at an end of year campaign, let's say you haven't made your case for support prior to October. It's okay to use this month to do that. It's okay to try to steward people to understanding what your work is about. And then during the time of the ask, they see what their gift is going to do. Yeah, that's really helpful. Let's talk about different platforms here because I think we can spend a lot of time 
on social media, right? We know it's like a little bit of a rabbit hole. And I think there can be vanity metric. Like, oh, I have this many likes. I have this much engagement. But that doesn't necessarily convert to money. So talk to me a little bit about how you measure the efficacy. Because like at the end of the day, you could get a million likes and get zero dollars. Yeah, for sure. So the first thing that I would say is if you are used to or if you are not used to measuring your email campaigns, you kind of want to do it similarly. Some things that I have noticed absolutely and that the rest of the world has noticed as well is that a lot of these social media applications are allowing you to have more insight into what your performance is based on your post. And so in any type of marketing campaign, and I generally say a lot of digital marketing and digital fundraising go hand in hand. There is some sort of A-B testing that may be done prior to your campaign, or it could be some type of messaging that you did in a previous campaign that you noticed resulted in a lot of traction. So some of those things, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can do those things over again. When it comes to identifying how successful a campaign is done or your posts are, you can find that out through your analytics. Every platform has them. You want to look at how many visits you've had to the link that you're using for donations. What messaging got people, drove people to that site? Was there just a lot of flops all around? Maybe we're not telling the story in an appropriate manner. Maybe it's not reaching the right people. And so during the day, this is why I say like you and your communications (laughs) team have to be hand in hand, have to be twin flames because they can help you kind of steward your messaging in the right way if they're seeing that they're not getting a lot of traction on the post that you're putting out. And to make your life easier, I would say this over and over again, you don't want to put the same post out on email as you do on social media or on Instagram or Facebook all at the same time. But what you can do is you can take the messaging that you're intending to put out and kind of break that up into different content types so that you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel every single time you're moving from email to Facebook to Instagram or whatever other platform you're using or your website. This one piece of content, you can create a roadmap for and use that in different places. But just be considerate at the time that you're posting it because I don't want to go to Facebook and see the same message that you posted on Instagram, same exact message that you posted on email. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point here, which is each of the social media platforms kind of have their own personality and that you have to know like what works for that algorithm and, and that audience. Like for example, LinkedIn is very professional. You wouldn't necessarily share like personal things on LinkedIn versus say like an Instagram or a, a Facebook. Yeah, I would agree. And then another thing, and this is just a little pro tip, another thing that you can consider when you're going into these platforms Is there anyone in your environment that is flourishing in these spaces, whose posts see a lot of traction, whose posts are doing a lot of engagement? Reach out to those people and ask for their support and maybe reposting something or even sharing your message, whatever the case is. Because again, there are some heavy hitters on LinkedIn that we don't necessarily think about that have a lot of influence. And so if you reach out to these people prior to your campaign and say, hey, I would love it if you could share our message, that may help you garner more reach and potentially bring in more donations as well. On that point, I know this is not a social media tutorial per se, but one thing that I think is helpful is if you do reach out to folks on LinkedIn, personalize it, but also make clear to them why they might be interested in supporting your cause because I often get messages on LinkedIn like, oh, support this, support that. But like, first of all, it's a cut and paste job. So I'm like, whatever. Secondly, they've given me no reason why I should be interested in that. 
this is to say that like you have been following this person, you understand what their interests align with you all's, that their mission or their values seem to align. And so from there, you can kind of build a connection and you can use this time right now before we hit Giving Tuesday to do that. There's still time, so don't count yourself out. But for sure, each platform has its own personality and people fundraise differently on these platforms in a way. But at the same time, it doesn't mean don't try to be everywhere. Don't try to do everything at one time. Some organizations can do that because they have the staff to do that. But take a look at your own analytics and see where people are gathering the most. All right, last question. I feel like I spend a lot of time talking to people about celebrities. First of all, if Oprah gave us money, I'm going to shoot myself in the head. But like, even from the perspective of asking people to share out, how have you seen that ROI work out as far as if you get, did get a celebrity with like a million followers to share out? Does, has that translated to actual donations in your experience? It depends on who it is that you are asking, I would say. So what I have seen previously with some organizations is that they may get a celebrity to engage with them and it doesn't actually translate into donations. They may get more likes and more follows and that's great because there's potential to turn those, those individuals into donors eventually. But just because you have a celebrity on your platform does not mean that the people who follow them are actually interested in giving a donation. Sometimes they can even barely get people to convert. So I think that it all comes down to the type of person that you might be reaching out to. And so going after someone, any specific platform is not just about because they're in front of a million people, because those people may not be right for your mission. They may not have interest in the work that you do. So aligning your values with the individuals that you would like to share the message with is way more important than you can think right now, because I have seen times where celebrities will come in and they raise probably maybe like $8,000 where someone was intending to raise 50. And so just consider that in your planning. I also have spent a lot of time with fundraising auctioneers. Interestingly enough, when you get in a room and there's like celebrities all around, some people think, okay, we're going to hit these goals. We're going to hit it out of the park. And in that room, there are so many celebrities that are not willing to give because we have not made it clear enough to them as to why they should participate in our work. And I just have had this weird opportunity in working with some fundraising auctioneers to know that that celebrity factor does not always mean that you're going to hit a specific goal. It's great when it comes to reach and getting your messenger in front of people, but the work still has to come behind that. Okay, so I want to like highlight something that has really been what you've said throughout this conversation, but just to really lift it up, which is basically you are thinking about your digital campaign to entice people to take some action that is not online. So it's like the likes are fine, the shares are fine, but ultimately you're trying to get them to convert or you're trying to get them to volunteer or you're trying to like get them to do something that is not just sort of this in this online space. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. What you're trying to do is you're trying to bring them into your community. Their role may differ depending on whether they are a volunteer, whether they are a donor, or potentially you might want to see some awesome board members come out of this. But your online campaign has to have a very specific purpose. Sometimes it may not even be about reaching a fundraising goal, which for most of us, we're coming into a time where that is the goal. But when we talked earlier about donor acquisition and things like that, it may be about volunteer acquisition. You may be doing a campaign just to get more eyes on the work that you do. And then you begin to turn that into 
storytelling, which leads to a very direct call to action or ask. And so these campaigns are going to be helpful for you essentially to get more eyes on your work so that you can go in whatever direction you prefer. But when it comes to fundraising, you absolutely positively have to think about what your main priority is. And if it's bringing in smaller donors at smaller monetary value, like $5, $10, and maybe converting them into a monthly donor program, that needs to be said from the top because all of your messaging has to align with that very specific goal. Don't have a bunch of things flying around. Maybe we want monthly donors. Maybe we want one-time donations. Maybe we want volunteers. That's not what we're here for. We're here to reach a very specific goal, especially if that has to do with end-of-year fundraising. Okay, I have two last questions and I'm going to open it up. So question one that I have is obviously all of us are time constrained. So if you have, say, one person who has a lot of things going on, would you recommend that they focus on like major gift fundraising versus broader based digital online campaign? Because it seems to me digital fundraising campaign, it's sort of like planting the seeds for the harvest later on. And potentially that's where a major donor base might come from. And maybe you have a bunch of folks who could give major gifts that would probably largely happen in person, offline way. How would you recommend that this person sort of thinks about divvying up their time? So I would say that if there's someone within your team that is able to focus on those, like if you are able to split duties, that was like the perfect scenario. And I may be a bit biased, <laughs> but I will say that let's say we're looking at the end of year campaign. You want to be online. You for sure want to be online, not just because everyone else is online, but because there may be individuals that are specifically looking for your organization and your work. And so, and then of course, the more that you have experience in working on your campaigns, the better you get at it. So if you miss out on this year's end of year, and it doesn't have to be an elaborate campaign, but if you miss out on this year's campaign, you don't necessarily have any information to go off of for next year. And so I would say, if you have to spend majority of your time, you have a budget goal to make, and you have to spend majority of your time doing major gift fundraising, okay, we can deal. Like we can deal, absolutely. But you still wanna have some smaller campaign potentially that happens online so that you can redirect people to make a gift for your organization. And maybe you don't have a full-blown digital campaign going on, but you're consistently putting out messages to let people know, hey, we're here. We're taking end of year gifts. This is what your end of year gift will do. This is what we have been able to accomplish. Like you're talking about all of those amazing things in your storytelling so that you don't miss the donor that was looking for you. I love that. Okay, last question. I'm going to open it up for questions. So let's work backwards. Let's say, all right, I'm all in. Let's do this thing. Let's say that Giving Tuesday, I have like a two-week campaign leading up to Giving Tuesday into December. What should I be doing right now? Can you give me like a strategic timeline of like, here's what I need to be worrying about right now? Yeah, so if you are trying to figure out what you need to do right now, The first thing that I would encourage you to do is build out your story map. Building out your story map and automating. I would go right between the two, I swear. So building out your story map means that you've identified what it is that you want to talk about October, November, December. You've only got a short window to get these content out. And so I would focus on making sure that you have the story map built out. You've plugged that into whatever automation opportunities that you have. And I swear, 
Even if it's like Gmail, even if you're sending out emails on a scheduled basis through Gmail, you can do that. Just get that out. And then from there, once you have those messages already planned out, you can kind of go into your donor map, which is the list of people that you know you want to reach and start making those personal asks as you run through the campaign. Once you see that that person has made a donation, take them out of the loop. Take them out of that list of people that are going to receive your messaging throughout the rest of the year. But you want to focus on your story, your story map, putting it in automation. This is especially helpful for you if you're dealing with a small team and some of you guys are working on major gifts and you don't have as much capacity to full up, do a full-blown digital fundraising campaign. Automate that work and then pull that list of donors that you want to talk to very specifically and make sure that and give yourself the time, schedule some time for yourself to go into those conversations. And that may mean a one-off to say, Hey, do you have time for coffee this week? Hey, do you have time to jump online with me? I'd love to ask you for something. I ask you about something. Give them a little bit of prep if, if necessary. Absolutely don't keep them, don't keep hitting them up after they've made a donation or even if they've said they're not at this time. So wait, let's dig into automation for one second. So I assume when you say automation, you mean automating the messages that are going out. Do you also mean automating after the fact? So I'm thinking like automated thank you messages and so forth. Yeah, for sure. If you're using a, a donor management system, you should absolutely have automatic thank you messages immediate sent immediately after someone made. If you happen to have a donor gave due to a personal ask, one thing that I did with an organization once, which was pretty dope and pretty awesome, and this was actually their idea, was the instant thank you. And that within the hour, we were thanking all of the donors that had given at that moment on a personal note. And so we had a message that we drafted, that we changed their name. Obviously, we changed the amount that they gave. And we made sure that if someone gave because we asked them, we immediately thanked them personally. They didn't just receive a digital receipt. And so that automation that is possible is possible as it relates to your general campaign emails, as well as your thank you emails that come after the fact. We can get into automation and talk about the rest of the emails that come out throughout the rest of the year all day long. But for sure, for your campaign, having those set up and scheduled for you allows you to take one thing off of your list as you start having direct conversations with donors throughout the campaign. Awesome. All right. While people are thinking about, let's talk about Giving Tuesday for a second. I have feelings about Giving Tuesday. Do you recommend that people use Giving Tuesday as a vehicle? Because I feel like years ago when it was new, it was a great idea. And then now, literally, I just get hit with like a hundred different emails asking me for money on that day. So what would you recommend in order to help people stand out from the crowd? Either like, not doing Giving Tuesday or doing Giving Tuesday in a way that's different than other people? So I would say always your, your fundraising doesn't necessarily, for your end of your fundraising, it doesn't have to happen on Giving Tuesday, right? I always encourage people to at least send out one message so that their donors know that they're participating as well. But your full-blown campaign doesn't have to happen on Giving Tuesday. That can happen prior to Giving Tuesday so that you can potentially get in front of all of those messages that are going to be coming out. In the midst of any digital campaign, there is going to be consistent communication that you have to have. You can't get away from that. And just because everyone recognizes what this time period means, this is the time where donors are trying to get those last gifts out before the end of the year. Making your donation process very clear for a lot of donors on multiple platforms is the best thing that you can do for yourself. So if you're thinking about 
your Instagram profile. Maybe you don't want to have a million messages going up, but maybe you might change your highlight, one of your highlights to say how to give to this organization. Maybe that is a message that is posted on your headers across your platforms, just so that you may not necessarily have to be always talking about your campaign, but anyone who visits your profile, uh, the profile of your organization, they can see what you have going on. Another small way to do this too is that you're sending out a lot of emails. I wish we could like see exactly how many emails we send out personally or externally, work-wise, whatever the case is. I like to create a little image that goes at the bottom of my emails where my signature line is that talks about the campaign that I'm doing. It doesn't even have to be an image. It can just be a one-liner to say, here's some things that I'm up to right now. So that everyone you're communicating with becomes more and more aware that you still have this campaign going on without having to be like, have you given to my campaign yet? I don't see a gift from you for my campaign. There are small ways that you can kind of plant the seed continuously from October to December. Okay, last question for me. Let's talk about frequency of email. Let's just say it's an email campaign because I think a lot of people have a fear that, oh my gosh, if we send too many emails, people are going to unsubscribe. It's going to be annoying. I'm sort of of the more is more school of thought, which is if someone's going to unsubscribe because you sent too many emails, they probably weren't going to donate to you anyway. But what's your thought? I actually agree. (laughs) Adhere to the same school of thought. I would encourage, and again, we're talking about preparation for a campaign. We're in this space. Okay, for a second. When you're preparing for your campaign, you want to consider how you've segmented your donor list on your email platform. So there are some lists that you may reach out to twice. There are some lists that you may hit up on a weekly basis. And so depending on your analytics and how what your open rate looks like versus your unsubscribe rate, those are things you want to take into consideration before just piling on a bunch of emails. I do say that if someone unsubscribes, they may not have been right for your work and still give them the option like when they're unsubscribing to say, I would like to receive less emails. Maybe there's another list that you can put them on or I would like to bow out peacefully. There are other ways to engage them. One thing that we specifically did with an organization I'm working with is that we set up a frequency survey when they went to unsubscribe so that they could let us know before we lost them completely, hey, email me once a month or less. That's what they want. Okay. And if the person, we also went through that list to see if that individual was someone that we knew was a significant donor for us, we reached out to them and said, hey, is everything okay? We saw you unsubscribe. We just want to adapt to what works for you as well. And they were like, I just unsubscribed from a bunch of different things. It wasn't you guys. Actually, I want to make an end of year gift. And we were like, great. So don't think of these individuals just as like they hate us and they never want to talk to us again. Reach out to them and have a conversation if you have the capacity to just check in on them and make sure that you're not overwhelming them or maybe they just would prefer to be on a different list. But just to come back to the main point is that you should be continuously asking and also offering content around what you all do and the impact of what is happening within the work that you do so that it doesn't just always feel like they only reach out to us when we're looking for something. Yeah, nobody wants to be an ATM, but I think it goes to something I'm very passionate about, which is value creation. Like every piece of content should create some sort of value for your reader, whether it's like, oh, I learned something or like this made me feel good or I understand something about the organization and what the impact is, right? Value, value, value. Can I say one more thing to you about that? There's a marketing team that we work with as well, and there's a book out there. I can't remember the author of the book. I'm sorry about that. But he has this book called 
uh, jab, 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 right hook. Oh, and Gary Vaynerchuk. Yes. You guys, Gary yes. V, he's a foul mouth marketer, but Gary V has some good stuff out there. So check out right. Gary V. And that is just to say, you should be offering value-filled content prior to making an ask on multiple occasions so that readers understand very thoroughly why they're giving their money, why they're donating at this time. I'm going to leave it there, but I just wanted to say your value content is really important. Awesome. Awesome. We actually have a question coming in from Sophia, and then we will wrap it up. Sophia, do you want to ask? Sure. So my question is, I guess it's specific to Giving Tuesday. I know you had talked a little bit about telling stories during that time across different platforms in various ways. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on how many stories is too many because we're a youth development um, organization. So there's a lot of our youth that we can sort of pull content from. And then if you can talk a little bit more about story planning, please. Thank you. Yeah. So I would say that always this has to do with like the capacity that you guys have to create the content around the story. And so if I'm thinking about Giving Tuesday, which is a one day campaign, I would probably stick to fleshing out at least three stories that have the potential to really make that emotional connection with the donor for that call to action to make sense. And also it has to do with like the type of story that you're telling. Is there, are there certain elements of the story that can connect easily with very specific outputs? Things that to say like, this amount will allow us to do this, or this specific amount has allowed us to do X. And so in an effort to bring the most value out of your story, I would st- generally stick to about three, probably no more than four. And Also know that there are different ways that you can tell these stories on different platforms. It doesn't have to be a written testimonial because you're sending out an email. It can also be a video testimonial. It can be kind of a collection of stories that you're bringing together and threading in a way that makes sense as it relates to your goal and the outcome of what you're trying to do with the funding that you would receive. And so I would very specifically say no more than three to four stories if possible because Throughout the day, it can kind of become just like a bunch of different people. We don't, donors sometimes aren't sure who to focus on. And so as long as the stories have a connection with the goal, that is who I would pull. So I would say hone in on the quality versus the quantity. Yeah, I want to double click on that. I think I would even go so far as to say is focus on one story because the idea of a beginning, middle, end is really compelling. And Sophia, I know you're based in New York, but the New York Times just ran an interesting story about a young woman named Dasani, and I thought it was very effective. So if you, it was in the New York Times magazine, and it followed her from when she was 12 and now she's 19. I thought it was really effective storytelling. It is best practice to like when you are sharing these stories to don't use like images with a bunch of people focusing on that one person. And so if you have the opportunity, I absolutely would agree with Rhea too. Like if you can draw out that story in a really thoughtful manner, which is awesome when you are dealing with youth development because you do have like a plethora of stories. If you can pull that out, intrigue that reader to like keep reading until they feel confident enough, until they feel engaged enough to where they want to click and make that gift. All right, my friend, this has been so awesome. I've learned so much, as I'm sure all the listeners have. Where can people find you online if they're interested in working with you? Yeah, for sure. So you guys can reach out to me via uh, givinggeeks.com. Also on LinkedIn, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Giving Geeks. And if you like just kind of having casual conversation and running into fundraising stuff and pop culture, you can follow me at Sue Wahid, which is S-U-W-A-H-E-E-D everywhere else you can follow me at giving geeks awesome we'll make sure to put all of your info in the show notes for people listening to this on the podcast but in the meantime thank you so much this is 
been so fun. Go forth and raise lots of money, y'all. Woo! We can do it. Thank you, Rhea. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good day.